1: From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke.
0: Long weekend coming up for traders in Chicago. If you're milking cows, though, you're not necessarily paying attention. You're still going to be out there on the Labor Day weekend. I'm Pam Yonke. Welcome in. So today it is going to warm up again. Partly sunny skies, 84 are expected high. Tomorrow we've got a pretty good chance of showers probably early in the day on Saturday. 75 are expected high. Partly sunny on Sunday, 74. And on Labor Day, Monday, partly sunny skies, 76 degrees. Tumakar Egg Meteorologist has more weather details coming your way. September is National Suicide Prevention Month. And we want to make sure that message resonates with the Wisconsin farmers and their families. Dan Bauer from the Wisconsin Farm Center, housed within the Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection, reminds us about resources available to anybody that needs them. He's our in-studio guest on a Friday.
2: Rhodes warm and served rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French-style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has a roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin, then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today.
3: For the most part, school is back in session, whether you're at the Northern end or the Southern end of the world's longest barn, I'm Bob Boesel at the Northern end, as again, classes are back in session as FFA chapters are getting organized. Ag teachers are getting their classes put together and Charity, the leader of the program at the Department of Public Instruction is uh, kind of learning on the job. She's taken over and uh, has a lot of work to do.
4: That's right, Bob. School is in session for some, and we'll be back in full swing here sooner than we can probably imagine for most. While kids are going through some big changes, so are the teachers. This is, is a nationwide crisis, for filling empty agricultural education positions across school districts. However, the demand for agriculture teachers continues to grow. I'm Charity Sebecker from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. There have been just over 50 teacher changes this year, and there are still positions that need to be filled. Sally Ladson, education consultant with DPI, shares more on how those agriculture teacher numbers are looking for the fall and different licensing, op- licensing
5: options to help fill these vacancies. Throughout this past year, we've had just over 50 teacher changes. A lot of the teacher changes happen because, a teacher in a current school applies for an opening, and then they move to that position creating an opening in their district. And so it's like that domino effect where one position opens and it creates a ripple effect with others. But some of those positions have been new positions that were created. We're seeing quite a few schools that are looking for different types of career and technical education teachers and looking for ways to fill some of those roles. And so I know there are a few positions that initially started looking for a tech ed teacher, weren't able to find a tech ed teacher, the district said, are there ways that we could transition these classes into agriculture classes and hire an agriculture teacher instead? So we're seeing some growth in numbers just in that perspective, not necessarily growing the number of total teachers in the state, but specifically the number of agriculture teachers in the state. Right now, we have nine positions still waiting to have a teacher fill them. A lot of our positions have fortunately been filled through some different types of pathways to licensure. So you kind of already touched on my next question. How does hiring work? People who necessarily
4: haven't graduated with an agriculture education degree are still being hired. So can you explain more about how that's possible?
5: There's a variety of pathways to licensure that we have available to us. And in particular, because we're such a high demand area, those pathways are a little bit broader than some other teaching positions might have. Obviously, there's the traditional licensure where individuals can go to a four-year university to obtain a major in agricultural education. And that's the pretty standard route that we'll see people take. But we've got a variety of other license options too, some that have become more relevant in the last few years, an emergency license where individuals can get a one-year license from a school district as they're obtaining the credentials needed to get that more permanent type of license. And then we also have something called an experience-based license, which is a process where a school district can utilize a system that looks at both an individual's experience in the industry of agriculture as well as their knowledge and experience in a classroom type setting. And so individuals who haven't gone a traditional route or maybe aren't doing that emergency type of pathway are able to go through this route with a school district sponsoring them, showcasing their plan of action to ensure that that individual is getting the correct preparation and training that they need to not only understand the science of teaching and the art of teaching, but also what that looks like in an agriculture setting. And so that offers some really cool opportunities for us at DPI in looking at how we can support those teachers and making sure that they have everything that they need along that route, but recognizing too that a lot of what they need for preparation is coming from the school district end, and the school district is really putting together that plan of what's needed to get that individual to the point of being ready to teach. And so when we talk about those experience-based licensure, I would say, from what I'm seeing so far, that seems to be like a pretty quick growing pathway to licensure. And for a lot of people, that can take on different varieties of types of professional development. Some of the people that we're seeing come back into the classroom, though, are folks that maybe went to school for agricultural education initially, and maybe they changed plans partway through school, or some of them even honestly graduated with an agricultural education degree, but maybe didn't fulfill the requirements to become a licensed teacher. And so now they're finding alternate routes into the classroom through this type of option, where they've got a lot of the background and experience needed, and now they're finding this unique way into a licensure process so that they can have the licensure they need. And fortunately for us, they've got a lot of that background and training already done, and so the school district's training for them looks a little bit different than someone who maybe didn't go to school for agricultural education, and maybe was an agricultural business major, or what whatever you might be thinking of, or working in the industry in a different type of career. And so their type of training is going to look a little bit different and probably more classroom focused. It really has a lot of variety depending on the school district and the individual's needs in terms of getting them ready to teach.
4: How are the teachers being prepared to teach Common Core standards? Is that through their relationship with their own schools or is that through your relationship with
5: DPI? So a lot of the training for standards is going to come through a teacher preparation program for teachers going through a traditional route, but then school districts will also work with teachers on what that looks like. We're actually just going through a standards revision process right now with the agriculture standards. And so we did a survey to get some feedback from the field to determine if a revision was needed with the state agriculture standards. And so we're actually going to a committee to decide whether we indeed need to revise standards or if we keep the standards the way they are. And so those are the agriculture-specific standards, and that's what I most closely work with when I'm working with individuals. And so, for example, at our fall in-services this year, we'll be talking about standards and different ways to incorporate those standards into the classroom and it's not necessarily a training of this is what we have to do but I like to think of it as more of a best practice so hearing from other teachers around the state and what their curriculum looks like and how they implement the standards in different and unique ways and then from my perspective being able to showcase what that looks like at a state level and highlighting some of those best practices and also trying to coach folks into ways that they can incorporate the standards into the work that they're doing.
4: Why do you think there is a shortage of agriculture teachers? What do you think is causing it that you're seeing?
5: I think there's a a variety of reasons that we're seeing the shortage. Quite frankly, I think education in general is starting to see a shortage. We've known that agricultural education has had a shortage for a long time, but we're starting to see other areas approaching those need levels as well. And I think part of it is just really the time that it takes to put into a classroom and get it to the level that we want it to be. In agricultural education, we talk about the three-component model, and so those three components are the classroom instruction, leadership development through the National SSA Organization, and then work-based learning or hands-on learning through their supervised agricultural experiences. And so when we think about that three-component model, in AGED, we are really proud of that model and the strength that it has in enforcing different concepts for students, but we also recognize the amount of time and dedication that that takes on the teacher's end because their work isn't ending at the end of the classroom day or at the end of their grading period or whatever it might be. That work continues on into the weekends, into the summers, things like that. And so we see a lot of time that goes into that. And the level of connection that individuals have with their students can sometimes also bring on an extra level of work and responsibility that people have. And so looking at that, it's I think, coming down to a major decision on individuals' parts of what the work-life balance looks like. And I think as a state agency, I know one of my primary goals is trying to find ways to support teachers and take things off of their plates to make their workload a little bit more manageable and easier. But also I know through the state of Wisconsin, we have a really awesome agricultural education group called our Wisconsin Association of Agricultural Educators. And they're doing the same thing of trying to find ways to support teachers and take things off of their plates. And so I think we recognize that it's hard to be a teacher right now. It's really hard to be an agriculture teacher right now. But I know at a department level in particular, we're doing everything that we can to try and make it a little bit easier and finding ways for teachers to have the support that they need in order to ensure that they can be successful as as long as they want to stay in the classroom.
4: How are agriculture education classes looking compared to past years? Do you have any numbers or can you talk about the trends of what you're seeing of students actually taking them or the number of classes being offered? So I can speak
5: a little bit more qualitatively on this. Um, Quantitatively, we're seeing some trends emerge, but The data right now that we're getting is from during the pandemic, and so it's hard to base our trends on that time because classrooms looked so different during the pandemic, and oftentimes, especially with agricultural education, because of it being a non-required class that sometimes looked different for students. And so our numbers looked a little bit different during that time, and we're starting to just now see what those numbers look like post-pandemic, so I don't have a lot of quantitative data that I can really use as reliable data at this point just because the pandemic really changed things. But from a qualitative perspective, I'm hearing from a lot of teachers that programs are growing. I mean, we're even seeing some new positions being added. And so we're not just new programs being added, but a second teacher or a third teacher. And so that's telling us that there is a demand for agricultural education. Students are really interested. And what I'm seeing is some of the biggest shifts in what is actually occurring in the classroom is really what that content looks like. And we've been seeing this for quite a while, but a lot of really popular classes right now are things related to farm to table and connecting students to their food supply and the food chain and making sure that students not only are prepared for agricultural careers, but in some cases, we're also preparing students just to be educated consumers. And so I think that we're starting to see a big shift towards educating consumers and making sure that all students are aware of where their food comes from. And from there, students then will go into more technical types of courses related to their interests if an agricultural career is of interest to them. But I think we're starting to see that shift in mindset from it just being students who are interested in agricultural careers to students who are just interested in where their food comes from. That was Sally Ladston,
4: education consultant with DPI. There are still nine vacancies for the fall semester. If you are interested in utilizing the different license options, contact Sally at six oh eight two six six. 5770 from the southern end of the world's longest barn in madison i'm charity seebecker
1: this is the midwest farm report with pam yonke
6: comes to custom jewelry
7: get to know your Denny's jeweler the way
8: Denny's works custom is based on emotions and it's based on the clients what they are feeling and wanting and looking for and eventually it evolves into this piece of art
3: I'm Nick Denny come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers
9: My
1: Why should you volunteer at the River Food Pantry?
10: It's building community
9: through food and through volunteers.
0: Oh, man. Volunteers, man. I love them. I love being part of a team that is so committed and so supportive of one another and just believing in the mission so strongly. You you feel
11: it every time you're there.
1: Help feed our community and sign up to volunteer with the River today at riverfoodpantry.org. Riverfoodpantry.org.
3: Your next job could be as close as seven miles south of Madison. Tructee LLC in Oregon is growing and are now hiring in all areas, including builders, electricians, and electrical engineers, to name a few. You'll work at the same place every day. Schedules are flexible, pay scale is attractive, and receive a $2,500 sign-on bonus, plus a huge advantage of being closer to work and saving on gas. Apply in person or online at trachteusa.org
0: Wisconsin strong
1: rough hands dirty boots and farming roots it's all we know This is the Midwest Farm Report
0: with Pam Youngke. Headed into the Labor Day weekend. Lots of different activities that are going on around the state that you'll get a chance to be involved with. Not the least of which, of course, the Rock River Threshery. That gets started today just outside of Edgerton. The old iron moving again. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us on a Friday morning with your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. And... You know, I, I think that uh, for anybody that's got some outdoor events planned, we've got the Brooklyn Truck and Tractor Pool going on. A lot of different activities. Uh, doesn't look like the weather's going to be all that particularly bad.
7: No, weather looks pretty good. Sheboygan County Fair close to us. Uh, mm. You know, just beautiful yep. conditions with the exception of a little bit of a rain chance trying to sneak in right now. And I look at this morning, you look at the weather radar, and there are just a few showers in southwest Wisconsin. Uh, Prairie to sheen that area, trying to slide a little east. There's some chance Madison could see a little sprinkle of rain this morning. That may even push as far north as Beaver Dam. I wouldn't expect it to be much more than that just this morning. Otherwise, we look at the upper level system out to the west. The cool front just building into northwest Minnesota, North Dakota. There's some rain there as well out in western parts of Minnesota. Now, I expect that front to drop on in and finally through our area with that rain chance uh, a little more of a possibility later tonight, especially already tonight at La Crosse and Boston, and then later tonight further east, ending from west to east tomorrow morning. Not a whole lot of rain, maybe up to a quarter inch if we're that lucky. Just a little rainfall. Bigger factor is that cool front and temperatures that will cool off A little sharply, low 70s for highs tomorrow and Sunday. But that comes around with some sunshine, too, so it's not all that bad. It gradually warms up for Labor Day and right into next week. And the dry spell continues. This is our rain chance for about uh, six or seven days. And it could be around here later tonight or just into early tomorrow. And that's going to be about the extent of it beyond that. And it doesn't sound all that bad with those temperatures a little cool, but really a nice little break should be great for all of our weekend outdoor plans. Won't worry too much about getting overheated. I'll have forecast details
2: right after this. Rhodes warm and serve rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has a roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin, then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today.
5: Whether it's the sound of the carnival or the taste of the cotton candy or your first blue ribbon, we all have memories of the fair. Here's your chance to share those stories in our Everybody Has a Fair Story contest. The Midwest Farm Report is teaming up with the Wisconsin Association of Fairs to offer cash prizes for your fair stories. Entries are being accepted all summer long and there is no limit, so tell us all of your stories. To enter and see full contest details, visit MidwestFarmReport.com.
0: All Stu, let's have some more of that good news on the Labor Day weekend forecast.
7: All right, well, the Compere Financial Ag Weather Forecast does feature that small chance of a shower or a storm southern Wisconsin this morning. More clouds for a lot of us, but sunny skies develop today, and it's still warm in the mid or even upper 80s. I'd expect very upper 80s at La Crosse. South winds will be around 5 to 15. Overnight, some clouds redevelop, partly cloudy. A rain chance first to uh, at sundown or later at La Crosse, and then developing through the night, pushing east all across southern Wisconsin. Mid 60s overnight, southwest winds five to 10. Still some chance of a scattered shower really early Saturday in the west. That chance could linger toward midday or early afternoon further east. Low 70s for highs, west winds become northeast at five to 10. Then it gets better. Sunday, mostly sunny skies, low 70s. Northeast winds at 5 to 10, mostly sunny Labor Day. Mid or upper 70s, 77, 78. Pam, sounds really nice as we get next week underway.
0: I was going to say it's going to be hard to convince people to come back to work on Tuesday, huh?
7: Uh, yeah, I'll fight you all the way on that because it's going to be so nice.
0: <laughs> all right, buddy. Enjoy the extended weekend. We'll talk to you on Tuesday.
7: You got it. Take care.
0: Stumak, our ag meteorologist, with great weather details for this upcoming Labor Day weekend. It's all brought to you courtesy of our friends at Compure Financial. Compure Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture in rural America. Visit Compure.com. Want to give a shout out this morning to Dan from Caledonia, Illinois. He is our August rainfall report winner. He is going to enjoy a weather station courtesy of Rural Mutual Insurance. That's one of the benefits if you get involved in our Rainfall Talk Text campaign. Remember that number again, 877-301-FARM, 877-301-3276.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
3: It's Preston from Window World. I hear too many stories of people being held hostage through a three-hour window appointment and pressured to sign now for a project that's worth a small fortune. At Window World, we take as much or as little time as you have and provide a clear, easy-to-read estimate right on the spot. Don't think your window project is out of reach because some companies ruined your experience. Call the best value in your area. Call Window World. You'll be glad you did.
5: Trusting someone else enough to pack up your stuff for the big move usually doesn't happen. Our employees are like family and have been with us for a very long time. You can feel comfortable with them packing things up and moving them. This is Brenda from Mad City Moving. We call that the the all-in-the-family move.
3: Mad City Moving dominates any move. Their crew will handle your things, well, like your things
12: deserve to be handled. Online at madcitymoving.com.
1: Mad City Moving.
2: Rhodes warm and served rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has a roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today.
11: United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and America's largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. USDSA assists city, county, state and federal law enforcement agencies through our many varied programs, including free safety equipment donations, free officer survival training, cash donations, and condolence letters to the family of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty. USDSA also offers college scholarships for the dependent children of law enforcement along with the Citizen Awareness Program and thank you cards to law enforcement. These are just some of the ways United States Deputy Sheriff's Association assists America's law enforcement and the citizens they serve. For more information about United States Deputy Sheriff's Association or to see how you can help, visit www.usdeputy.org United States Deputy Sheriff's Association. Taking training to the next level because lives are on the line you love
10: your home it's full of memories from the past and even more memories to be made when you're ready to spruce it up contact af construction af construction will talk to you about your addition ideas like a relaxing three season sunroom or expanded living space AF Construction, your local hands on remodeling contractor, offering line item estimates and eye popping results. For your free consultation, visit AFConstructionLLC.com.
12: Get ready for a remarkable new look.
6: Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A Skincare Minute with Skincare Expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsalkprairie.com.
5: experienced electricians come join our family-owned team. Here's Ariel at EverReady. We are his sponsor for the apprenticeship program.
8: I like the small company feel, that family feel. If you have a problem, you can directly go to the owners. firsthand. It speaks a lot about their values and how they value their employees.
5: Competitive wages, Great atmosphere, great benefits. Apply at everreadyelectric.net for all your electrical needs. We are ever ready.
8: So I bring a very passionate over the Milwaukee Brewers, Rob Reichel. But even more passionate as the team he covers, the Green Bay Packers. Follow him on Twitter, Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Robbie, I have to ask you something. Dude, two running backs? as Amari Rogers, as Brian Gutekunst alluded to yesterday, is he going to be the RB3? What's going on with these two running backs? Well, keep in mind, the roster is going
12: to change before they go to Minnesota. I don't know exactly how was but, but they're not, they're not set there, you know, whatsoever. The third running back, they're, you know, they're waiting for Kylan Hill to come off the pump and, and, and to come back and be that guy. They, they, they obviously signed the two guys to the practice squad, you know, yesterday um, that they had released on on Tuesday. I would think there's a pretty good chance. One of those guys is on the roster uh, on the 53 guys when they go up to Minnesota, what 10 days from now um I, I we've seen this in the past i mean the most significant time that that comes to memory is in 2011 they went to kansas city with uh with two running backs i think they were 13 and 0 at the time and 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 john coon was one of them and he's the guy who ended up finishing the football game because they were they were uh you know they, they, they had a running back go down that that game so they're there 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 is almost no way for an offense to function guys the way it needs to with just one running back they're not going to take that chance they're not going to risk it uh one of these guys i think will be elevated no matter what they tell you about amari rogers you guys remember the time Montgomery experiment Ugh. under 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 your boy mike mccarthy evo and um you know that 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 obviously didn't go well this this whole concept of turning wide receivers into running backs is well, what about know, Debo it's, Samuel. It's, it's, it's typical. It's, it, he's still a wide receiver first. Is, I mean, is Amari Rogers out. the
8: next Debo Samuel? Your call's next.
12: Uh, no, he is. <laughs> he is not close to that skill set or talent level um, across the board. He sees. Uh, let, let, let's see how this year plays out before we we write the Amari Rogers story. But he's a long way from Debo Samuel. Evo and and no. So you know, to your initial question in your initial. You know, point there. That they are not going to go to Minnesota with two backs. They'll probably elevate Patrick Taylor would be my guess and, and bring him as the third as the emergency back and, in case Jones or Dylan goes down. But I, I don't think Lafleur is going to take that risk going up there in week one with just two backs.
3: I want it noted that Debo Samuel was a wide receiver until he thought that that running back value meant something and then he realized actually no I'm a wide receiver. I want to be paid like one.
12: <laughs> no of course I mean kind of like Elton Jenkins right now right when when he goes to the bargaining table is is he a right tackle or a left tackle well if I'm Elton Jenkins people guys you know I hell yeah I'm a left tackle right because he played it for half a season last year and, and and showed if if he is in that position which he very well could be guys a year from now um you know he he's a top 10 left tackle probably in in the national football league no you're 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 spot on there Nelly in terms of the Samuel uh the deal there uh, yeah why get paid running backs don't they turn running backs over every four years on a roster you usually don't get that second contract as a running back samuel smart
3: normally you're called almost washed up by your second contract at running back
8: yep no question <laughs> yep so rob other uh, surprises here and we'll do offense and i know and thank you so much rob when you text me yesterday and said can i do two segments Rob, I almost asked you for a third. Rob, I would do any. I would do anything for you, Rob. I love you, Rob. Rob, so we'll. Well, I just, I just thought we had a lot of ground to we cover today, my we friend. We do. Yeah. I love it, Rob. You could have a whole hour if you wanted to. All right, Robbie. When it comes to the offensive side of the ball, seven wide receivers. Well, you, you brought up Big Mike McCarthy before. This is like a Mike McCarthy moves. Seven wide receivers. I was a little shocked by that too. Well, three.
12: Of the, you know, I did the. I, I went back and I looked at at, at my kind of past rosters. Uh, after the final 53 both uh, three of the last five years they've kept seven and if you remember there was one year they actually kept eight and and then made a made a minor move a day or two later and got back down to seven but um you know it it it, it really at the end of the day it it, it, they're in such an odd situation this year guys I mean Rogers wants to go early on at least in this season with the with the guys he knows and trusts it's the veterans right so that's that, that meant, obviously, guys like Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb were going to make the football team. Um, these young guys who who I do think in the second half of the season are going to emerge and have a much greater role than they will, let's call it, the first eight or nine football games, guys. You know, the Dubs, the Watsons, the Watsons of the world. Um, obviously, they're not going anywhere, right? Watson's a second-round pick. Dubs is a fourth. Toure's a seventh. um Gutakuns loves his draft picks. None of those guys were going anywhere, but you, you kind of had to keep veterans. I think, guys, to 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 go with early, let the young guys grow up, let the young guys develop. I I think by midseason you'll see a far, you know, greater role for guys like Dubs and Watson, and it may come sooner than that.
1: You bet she thinks your tractor's sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Partly
0: sunny skies this morning and 84 are expected high. Clouds will start moving in this afternoon and we've got a good chance of rain overnight into Saturday morning. Tomorrow's highs are on 75. Sunday, partly sunny and 74 degrees. Pam Yankee, glad to be along with you as we head into the Labor Day weekend. Don't forget, markets are closed on Monday and no farm show on Monday as well. So today is the second day of September. couple birthdays that we want to recognize. Happy birthday to actor Keanu Reeves. He's 58. Actress Selma Hyatt, she is 56 years young. On this day back in 1931, Bing Crosby made his solo radio debut. And now you know. On this Friday, we want to recognize some of the farm families that were honored this year with their century and sesquicentennial farm notations. Stephanie Hoff has an interesting story about one of those.
9: From farmer to florist. That's the story of a family farm in Marquette County that is receiving its Centennial Award this year. We're sharing these Centennial and Sesquicentennial farm stories at MidwestFarmReport.com, courtesy of Compere Financial. At 101 years old, second generation Ella Faye Johnson shares the story of how her mother and father-in-law started farming. But then, she and her husband, Wayne, changed direction in the 1940s to start their dream of operating a greenhouse in Westfield.
13: When Sam and Anna bought the farm, they were full farming all land, 87 acres under crop. And they... Grew everything, had a dairy herd where he was a mail carrier, and she had chickens. Sam, as a mail carrier, had hired help all the time, and Anna had hired help in the house with her children. She was a school teacher prior to her marriage. Yeah, and the crops that they grew, they had corn, hay, uh, sorghum that was sold and uh, made into molasses, and then they had pigs and cows. And later on, the boys had sheep, but not until after Sam uh, and Anna had sold the farm to us, and they moved into town. Dad's dairy herd was registered, but with the war and lack of help and the boys being gone to service, he sold. As the war was over, uh, Sam and the older boy, Don, bought old windmill towers and redwood beer vats from a company that no longer made beer. And that's what the greenhouses were then made from. But we bought the farm, and Don and his wife Nancy had been in business with us, but she was from Texas as well, wanted to get closer home to her parents, so they bought a place in Oklahoma where Don had had training as a pilot.
9: So Ella Faye, then tell me about this florist business, because the farm was already a pretty diversified operation, but you guys uh, went a little further in kind of starting off a whole new agribusiness.
13: Well, uh, while Wayne was in high school, they started doing uh, evergreen nurseries, planting trees out in, and then started landscape, which he uh, Wayne majored in in uh, landscape design. So and they were in 4H in the beginning that started them planting the trees. And Dad was a he was a hard worker. He was buying trees all over and helping plant and helping trim trees at the cemetery at way after they were planted. Now they're so tall nobody could trim them.
9: What year was it that you started the the greenhouse floral business?
13: Uh, that was actually as soon as we got home from uh, from the military. So it would have been 1946. Uh, we got home in March of forty six, and Dad and Don were already buying windmill towers and had them stored in the barn. And then we got hired two older men, and they came every day, brought their own lunch. We paid them five dollars a day, and they worked to help build the greenhouses. Later, we bought a national greenhouse and added it on. But uh, actually, and Wayne and I then went to Bright School of Floral Design because we didn't know how to make floral arrangements. (laughs) But we did a good business.
9: Alafay, what was it like running a greenhouse?
13: It was busy, busy, busy. And Sam and Anna Johnson were there all the time helping us. And both of my girls had to learn to make flowers. Barbara made me a corsage when she was five years old, and they took a picture of her and printed in a magazine, a farm magazine. But they learn to work, and that's the one good part about family business. Everybody in the family has a hand in it, and they all work, and they all benefit. So we were awfully proud of that business in a small rural community. Marquette County is one of the smaller areas in the state. And we were close enough to Portage that we sold geraniums to the F.W. Woolworth store for several years, hauled them down there and sold them. And then we bought a flower shop right in Portage. So we were busy, busy people, never had time to get in trouble.
9: That's Ella Faye Johnson, the second generation on her family's Centennial Farm in Marquette County. You can find her full story about the early days on the farm and operating the greenhouse at MidwestFarmReport.com. These Centennial and Sesquicentennial farm stories are brought to you courtesy of Compere Financial. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie
2: Hoff. As a dairy farmer, you depend on your milk receiver pump. McVin Technologies of Kenosha introduces the impressive Bowpeller pump. It's quieter, there's lower maintenance, as the seals last much longer than your old milk receiver pump. It offers a more powerful cleaning cycle with higher velocities, and it doesn't degrade the quality of your milk. Ask your dealer for the Bow Pillar Milk Receiver Pump, patented by McFenn Technologies, an American company, committed to providing a better product for the dairy industry. Rhodes warm and served rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has a roll for you. We mix, knead and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin, then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes rolls in the freezer section today.
0: Markets are trending a little higher this morning. December corn is up a nickel at 662. November beans are up 13 cents. December wheats up twelve at eight oh six. No change on barrel cheese yesterday. Forty-pound block cheese gained a penny to one seventy-three and a half. Double A butter on Thursday up three and three quarter cents at three oh nine and a quarter. October milk this morning's up twenty-seven cents at nineteen seventy-nine. November milk currently up a nickel at twenty twenty-nine a hundred Coming up next. September is National Suicide Prevention Month, and we want to make sure that our farmers and their families understand the resources that are available to them if those are the kinds of challenges that they're facing. Dan Bauer is with the Wisconsin Farm Center. Housed within the Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection, it provides an awful lot of resources. And the good news is a lot of farm families are tapping into those resources. Talking about that next with Dan Bauer with the Wisconsin Farm Center on a finally Friday morning.
1: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
6: Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A Skincare Minute with Skincare Expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at SockPrairie.com.
3: There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Our Equipment. Check out the affordable, efficient, versatile tractor line at Our Equipment and ask for Mr. Versatile, Chunk Gill. And from the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, promoting Wisconsin's world-class dairy products since 1983. Look for their Proudly Wisconsin badge on dairy products. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net, on Facebook, and Twitter.
0: Rebath started decades ago by two gentlemen who created acrylic forms to cover existing bathtubs. Today, Rebath is a complete bath remodeling company. We replace existing fixtures and totally upgrade your bathroom. Free in-home consultation, free custom design, an affordable new bath in just days, not weeks. Visit our showroom on Stoughton Road or Rebath.com. Rebath, making it
11: easy to love your bath.
1: Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
0: September is Suicide Prevention Month, and although it is a very difficult subject to focus in on, what we want to provide you with are resources that are available out there for really anybody that needs them, but specifically our farm and rural audience. Uh, In studio with me is Dan Bauer from the Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection. He specifically is the one that coordinates a lot of the information that's housed within our uh, farm center service area. Uh, It's within Department of Agriculture really entails a hotline as well as the recent Farmer Wellness Program, just a lot of different resources that uh, are available. Dan, like I mentioned to you, that Farmer Hotline has been around for a long time, an excellent resource that will get you connected with not just uh, people that will talk through any mental health issues you might be dealing with, physical challenges you might be dealing with, but it's financial, it's dairy health. I mean, it, it covers gamut. So how has call volume been? You know, commodity prices were pretty high all growing season, but so were input costs. Just makes me wonder how many calls you're fielding and what kind of calls for the general hotline.
10: Yeah, it's a great question, Pam. And first of all, thank you for the invite. It's just a pleasure to be back. I think the timing is just great to have this conversation. Here at DadCap and within the Wisconsin Farm Center, we've recently completed our 2022 fiscal year. So our fiscal year at the state runs from uh, July 2021 through June 2022, and you kind of asked a little bit about trends. I think it's a great time to look at total inquiries, and so if you think back to the first half of our fiscal year, so that would begin last July and run through last December, we saw just under 440 new inquiries, so that's a little over 3 per workday, like 3.2, something like that. I think, Pam, you mentioned, you know, what kind of trend are we seeing? Well, for the second half of the fiscal year, so that runs from January to June, we saw just under 550 new inquiries. So that would be over four per day. So we've seen basically a 25% increase when comparing the first half of the year here to the second half of the year.
0: Well, and as I mentioned, uh, don't make assumptions about why people are calling the hotline. It uh, offers a very wide menu of services that are available. We may think about people under financial stress or dealing with some family dynamics or things like that. You don't really get necessarily into the detail, Dan, but do we have a general idea on what people were inquiring about?
10: Yeah, you know, one thing that I would say is um, it appears to us, you know, when speaking to the team, that there's this renewed interest in transition planning. And I think there's several reasons for that. If you think about that pandemic, you know, that was about two years in length and is finally lessening to some extent. That was so much volatility for people, so much disruption to every part of farming, every part of daily life. I think a lot of farmers just set that transition planning project aside, it takes a lot of extra energy. It's difficult conversations. They said, let's put that over here and let's worry about getting through the pandemic first. And I think as the pandemic has decreased to some extent, it has allowed people to kind of reallocate some energy to saying, okay, we're, we're nearing the other side of this. You know, how do we set up my business? How do we set up my estate plan to transfer that to this next generation of farming, whether that be within the family or even a
0: sale to an outside entity? Very good point. Yeah, you're exactly right. It, it, it took a, it, it exhausted us in many fronts. Now, I mentioned also the Farmer Wellness Program is something that is a relatively new tool that's been implemented through the Department of Ag, Trade and Consumer Protection. They got the funding for it. And that really was designed to be a 24-7 outlet for farmers that might or their families that might need a little uh, assistance of some type. Uh, that's been a fascinating program to follow. Tell me a little bit more about its performance, Dan.
10: Yeah, and I'm so glad you asked about it, Pam, and it's surprising how time flies. We've actually finished our full our, our third full year of operating this program, so it's really hard to believe. And I think where I'd like to start is um with the counseling voucher program. Mm-hmm. And this program, it's easy to forget, this program actually started in 2005. So it has been available to some extent for about 15 years. But what has changed over time is consistent funding. In the earlier days, it was funded yeah, infrequently. Um, you know, It was difficult to know how much funding would be there. And we've had stable funding now for about three years. And looking at last fiscal year, um, we redeemed 157 counseling vouchers. So those are 157 seven one-hour sessions that farmers took with a licensed counselor in our uh, counseling provider network. Now, that is down about 10% as compared to last year. However, I think the key point, though, is that's only the second time in the program's 15-plus-year history that we've been over 150 redeemed. And if you look out even a little further, that was only the third time in that 15-year history that we've only ever been over 100. So what I would say is despite that year-over-year drop in redemptions, it is clear to us that the program's maintaining momentum and that it's solidifying itself as being of utmost value to farmers. And I think what you can look at a little bit is, is just momentum. And so if you look at the first half of last fiscal year, we redeemed 62 vouchers. However, in the second half of last fiscal year, we redeemed 95 So that's a 50% increase when you're looking at the first half of the year compared to the second half of the year. And we are estimating a redemption rate of nearly 80% on issued vouchers, and that would be an all-time high. Uh, That's only the second time in program history when that metric surpassed 75%. And I think that's a perfect example of, of us reducing the stigma of mental health services in the farming community. What that's showing, Pam, is if we issue five vouchers, four out of five times a farmer is actually using that voucher and making sure that they receive those mental health support services that are being made available to them. And so I think that's a huge thing. Farmers are more aware of these services. They're more comfortable, and and they are more times than
0: not um, actually receiving the service when it's made available to them. That is a wonderful story to tell. You know, again, like we said, folks, uh, through the month of September, it's all about suicide prevention. That's the theme you're going to hear. But like I mentioned to Dan at the outset, we also want to help share the story about the fact that resources are being used. Sometimes you hear about toll-free numbers or uh, websites or something like that, but how many people are using them? And the Farmer Wellness Program is not just about the mental health vouchers, Dan.
10: Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up. So in the last three years, we've launched a couple additional services. Um, One service we offer is telecounseling. And we believe the big benefit in telecounseling is a farmer can receive uh, counseling and counseling advice from the comfort of their own home. And that uh, service has continued to be in demand. So that uh, service is up 5% this fiscal year over last fiscal year. Um, we had 56 telecounseling sessions prior fiscal year and 59 uh, new sessions here this current fiscal year. I think you've mentioned it a couple times. Um, one of the things that we think is so very important that we make available to farmers and really any citizen is 24 seven help. And so we launched our 24-7 Farmer Wellness Helpline. And this service has seen really outstanding growth. Uh, prior fiscal year, um, we had 167 calls to that line. And last fiscal year, we were at 255. And so that's a 52% year-over-year increase. And so that's um, you know big growth in that service. Again, kind of uh, affirming with us that there is demand, there is a need, and farmers are taking
0: advantage of it. Well, one of the reasons why I also like that is – There was some concern by many of us that support these services. What do you do at midnight? What if you're having a crisis at midnight? Well, now through the partnership with, I believe, Iowa, we have that 24-7, always a voice on the other end of the phone. And I think just recognizing that as an element that was missing is a good thing.
10: Yeah. And that team has been fabulous partners. They've been just great to work with. We've been doing that about a year and they'll take calls any day of the week, any hour, of night, and they'll talk to somebody. And what they're going to do is they're going to let you know, Hey, help is out there. And we're in constant communication with that team. So maybe they just need somebody to talk to in the moment and it ends there, but maybe they actually need more financial advice, more transition planning advice. And in those cases, we actually get a referral back from that team. And then my team will reach out back to the caller, typically within 24 hours. So it's been really smooth, um, really seamless, knock on wood. Um, We've been really happy with how that partnership has been going.
0: Well, good to hear. Thanks, Dan. Dan Bauer in studio with us, one of the staff members at the Wisconsin Farm Center, housed within the Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection, all kinds of resources that are available to you. And we'll keep the emphasis on this message. September is... National Suicide Prevention Month, and we want to make sure that if you're struggling in your farm, in your operation, that you know where you can turn for help. Again, easy to find online, farmcenter.wi.gov, farmcenter.wi.gov. Or you can also feel free to reach out through their hotline, 800